Well, we are in the third week of a series that we've been doing called Your Ten Greatest Challenges. And in this series, we've been looking at Exodus 20 at the Ten Commandments. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you're welcome to open up to Exodus 20. The Ten Commandments really established the framework for our relationship with God and with others. And so in week one, we looked at the, the preamble or the opening statement of the Ten Commandments. And then we looked at the first commandment itself. Exodus 20, 1 through 3 says, And the Lord spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And in the first command, you shall have no other gods before me. And so in that, in that first commandment came our first great challenge. And the challenge with, was with God himself. It's to let God be God. God is who he is. Man doesn't make God into his own image. It's the other way around. And so we can't make God into something that he's not, that we want him to be, something we think he should be. We obey God. We obey his commands because he is God. But we were also reminded in that message that not only is he God, but that he is good. He, he opened up by telling the Israelites what he had done for them, rescuing them from slavery. And so the challenge for us is to embrace him unconditionally. Then last week, we looked at the second commandment, which says this, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. And so if the first commandment presented us a challenge with God, this commandment presented us a challenge with worship. It has to do with our devotion and our allegiance to the challenges to truly worship him. God told his people not to make or bow down to any graven images. This is what we call idolatry. And God is serious about idolatry. If you remember, we gave a great definition last week. It was from Augustine of what idolatry is. He said that idolatry is worshiping what should be used or using what should be worshiped. And so we concluded that idolatry is offensive to God, but it's also destructive to us. But luckily, you know, we, we studied this. Like, luckily, we can see this command that it's really not relevant to us today, right? Because we would never, ever make an image and bow down to it and worship it. I mean, there, there are no images that would distract us or take away from our devotion and worship of God, right? Oh, yeah, right? And so last week, we concluded that, that the only image God has truly endorsed is the image of his son. And all else falls way short of that mark. Just so you know, I, I included Ohio State, so I'm not left out. All right, I think we have some Hoosiers today. I'm sorry, I didn't put an IU in there. No one really worships them anyway. <laughs> so today, <laughs> they're like, I'm never visiting here again. <laughs> Today is, is the third commandment, and it's our next great challenge. And the, the command or the challenge has to do with religion. And the challenge is to represent God accurately. So let's read the third commandment. We're going to read it together. It's going to be up on the screen. Verse 7 of Exodus 20 says this You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Exodus 27. So do you know what your name means? 
I would assume most of you probably know what your name means. My name, Stephen, means crowned one. In, in the Greek, it's Stephanos. And uh, my middle name is Thomas. And so my middle name means twin. Now, I am not a twin, but I'm told that I'm cool enough that, that it would take two people to fill my shoes. So, at least that's what my mom says. But why were you, <laughs> why were you given your name? You know, my, my name was given to me because my parents wanted to honor my mom's dad. So I have the same initials as him, and I have the same middle name as him. His name was Sheldon Thomas Henry. I remember Sarah and I, we went back and forth, back and forth, trying to figure out what would be the, just the right names for our three daughters. Because names are important, aren't they? I mean, we carry our name with us forever. So w- w- names are important. I mean, how do you feel when someone doesn't remember your name or someone calls you by the wrong name? And so God commands us not to misuse his name. Now, the Hebrew language, which the Old Testament was primarily written in, has several different words that the English language translates as Lord. There's El Shaddai, which means God Almighty. El Elyon, which means God Most High. El Olam, which means God the Everlasting. But there's another term that we've talked about. We've talked about it actually the last two weeks. And it's the word Yahweh. Yahweh is actually God's name. And when it shows up in our English Bibles, it's translated as Lord. But the editors wanted to make sure that there was a distinction made. That we would know that this was talking about God's actual name, Yahweh. So when it's in our English Bibles, it's in all caps as Lord. So that, that's, that's one of the names. But that Yahweh is the name for God. See, you can call me minister or pastor. My, my kids can call me dad. My wife might call me hot lips. I mean, she doesn't, but she can if she wants. But if you were to call me by my name, you'd call me Steve. Or if you're my parents and I'm in trouble, Stephen Thomas. If I call you by your name, I say it. And if you want to call God by his name, the Hebrew word is Yahweh. Max Lucado writes in his book, Traveling Light, that the Israelites considered the name Yahweh too holy to be spoken by human lips. They, they, they revered his name. And so whenever they needed to say Yahweh, they substituted the word Adonai, which means Lord. If the name needed to be written, get this, the scribes would take a bath before they wrote it, and then they would destroy the pen after they wrote it. Now, God never gives us a definition of Yahweh Though many scholars wish he had because there's been some healthy discussions raised about this name. But Yahweh, as, as best as they can tell, seems to mean, I am. That's what he calls himself when he was speaking to Moses. I am or I cause. God is the one who is. He is the one who causes. Why is this important though? Because we need a big God, don't we? And if God is the one who is, then he is an unchanging God. Think about it. Do you, do you know anyone who goes around and just says, I am? No, we, we always finish that statement, right? I am happy. I am sad. I am smelly. Whatever it is. God, however, says, I am and adds nothing else to it. God needs no descriptive word because he never changes. God is what he is. He is what he always has been. Though he creates, he was never created. Though he causes He was never caused. And God takes his name seriously. He says, For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. 
When Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, he began by saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. Your name is holy. So I want to take, talk about three ways in which we misuse God's name today. And the first one is, is obvious. And unfortunately, it's, it's very common. It is the profane use of God's name. The profane use of God's name. Again, the, the ancient Jews had this awe about God and they revered his name. Yet we use his name so flippantly, so casually today, even profanely. Like if someone startles us, we might, we might shout, Jesus Christ. Or we tell a story and we throw in, oh my God. Or even worse, we sometimes use his name in connection with swear words. The way we use a person's name reveals a lot about what we think about that person, doesn't it? After uh, Sarah and I, after we had our house built about five years ago, I would go around and I would check things in the house and I would see some things and out of frustration, I would say, Johnny! I would yell out the name Johnny. The reason is because Johnny was the electrician who did most of the work on my house. And for the most part, he did a pretty good job, but he was a little bit... Uh, iffy on some of the little details. And so I'd go around the house and I'd see something off, you know, crooked or whatever. And I'd go to fix it. And the whole time I'm going, Johnny, you know, and I know it's not, it's not right. It wasn't good. It was a profane use of his name and kind of deserved. But, um, but the way we use God's name and the name of Jesus, it says a whole lot about what we think of him, doesn't it? If you go to dictionary.com or look in another dictionary and you look up the word Jesus, you'll find that this word is primarily a noun, a name, and it refers to the Jesus of the Bible. But you'll also find that this word Jesus is an offensive interjection used to express disbelief or surprise, disappointment, or pain. Isn't that terrible? The name Jesus could be used to express disbelief. That the name Jesus could be used to express disappointment and pain. But that's the society that we live in. It reminds me of what God said through Isaiah in Isaiah 52.5. And all day long, my name is constantly blasphemed. Do you think that God gets sick of hearing his name the way it's used throughout our world today? Now, it shouldn't surprise us that, don't, that, that people who don't know and love the Lord would use his name as an expletive. But what is surprising, what is disappointing, is when those who do know him, those who do love him, would use his name in a vulgar way. And so here's, here's a challenge for us. If the improper use of his name is part of your conversation, repent of it. And turning, turn from it. Ask God to forgive you for it. And get some accountability for it. Give someone permission or give people permission to call you out when you misuse his name. Now, some of you might be thinking, come on. Like, is using the Lord's name in vain such a big issue? Is it really that bad, like bad enough to be in the, the Big Ten? Make the Big Ten, the, the Ten Commandments? Is it really that horrible? Well, I want to show you that this third commandment is more than just using his name as profanity. The challenge, this challenge to represent God accurately, it goes much deeper than just profane and vulgar talk. We also need to be careful that we don't use his name as propaganda. As propaganda. 
So propaganda is information, especially of a biased or misleading nature, and it's used to promote or publicize a particular political cause or point of view. Now, in our culture today, and even in times before us, the association of a big name to sell a product is very common, isn't it? For instance, I was looking some things up this week, and I found a list of the top earners as far as endorsement deals went for 2019. And so coming in at number five was Steph Curry. In 2019, he made $42 million just in endorsement earnings. That doesn't include his salary for actually doing his job, uh, playing basketball and sometimes beating the Cavs. Oh, that hurt. But we beat him in 2016. So $42 million. So some of the things that he endorsed were Chase, uh, Under Armour, and Rakuten. Number four is Cristiano Ronaldo. He made $44 million in 2019 on endorsement earnings. And some of the things that he endorsed were Nike, Herbalife, and EA Sports. Number three, LeBron James. He made $53 million in 2019 on endorsements. And he endorsed things like Nike, Beats by Dre, Coca-Cola, 2K Sports. Coming in at number two is Tiger Woods. He made $54 million in endorsements in 2019. And he, he endorsed things like Nike, TaylorMade, Upper Deck, and Monster Energy. And then coming in way in first place with $86 million in endorsement earnings in 2019 was Roger Federer. And he endorsed things like Mercedes-Benz, Rolex, Wilson. And if you're curious, the top female came in at number 15. It was Serena Williams. She made $25 million in endorsements in 2019. And she endorsed things like Wheaties, Upper Deck, and Gatorade. And we could go on and on. We could list so many people who have made millions and millions and millions of dollars from these companies who want to use their name to sell their products. Because these companies know that if their product is connected to a big name, it's going to help them move that product and it's going to make them a lot of money. But who is it that has the biggest name on earth? Who is it that has the biggest name in all of the universe? God does. And many popular leaders and lots of religious groups throughout history, including in our day today, have tried to attach the name of God to their product or their cause. This is why we have so many religions in the world today. They use God's name to promote their propaganda. I mean, we've seen airplanes crashed into, bu into buildings in the name of God. We've seen people strap explosives to their bodies with the intent of killing themselves and as many people as they can in the name of God. We've heard of people pushing homosexuals off of rooftops or executing them in the name of God. And it's easy to point to Muslim extremists. But we Christians, we don't really have a clean record on this one either. A little later in the year, we're probably going to do another uh, origin story series. And in it, if we go to it, we're going to cover a time when Christian soldiers attempted to annihilate Jews and Muslims in what's known as the Crusades. This happened over a thousand years ago, but it happened in the name of God and under the banner of the cross. Oppressive slavery has been propagated under the name of God. Racial violence has occurred in the name of God. Burning so-called witches happened in the name of God. And I suspect if we took a closer look at more modern acts of violence, both large and small, we would probably discover that more people than we realize are killed or hurt or oppressed 
in the name of and under the banner of God. Politicians often invoke the name of God to get elected, using his name to get as many votes as they can. And don't get me started on the multitude of scandals by television evangelists or even those who aren't on TV. They've extorted millions and millions and millions of dollars from people, even impoverished people, in the name of God. Or the priests and the pastors who have lured children and sexually abused young boys or girls under the banner of God, and some of them have been protected. They've been protected from consequence in the name of God. It has to sicken him. And things like this have happened so many times throughout history that the name of God is disdained in our culture. Christianity as a whole hasn't always helped itself, right? Because we have used God. We've used his image to engage in acts that would sicken him. We've used the name of God to push lifestyles and agendas and political causes and pet projects that God would never, ever, ever attach his glorious name to. And maybe people have been turned away from Christ. Well, many have, because they've gotten a distorted view of Christ from his followers. There's an old story told about Alexander the Great, and I don't know if it's true or not, but it's a great story. The story goes that one evening, Alexander the Great was walking uh, the grounds where his battalion was staying And as he was walking around late that evening, he noticed one of his guards asleep on duty. Alexander the Great walked up to this young soldier and and, and woke him up. And realizing who he was being confronted by, the soldier immediately felt afraid, felt fearful for his life because falling asleep on duty was punishable by death. So Alexander the Great looked at the soldier and said, Soldier, what's your name? The soldier put his head down. He was ashamed. He would not respond. So Alexander again said, Soldier, I asked you, what is your name? Again, only a look of shame and no response. Alexander the Great said to the soldier, I will not ask you again, what is your name? The soldier sheepishly looked up and with a quivering voice, he said, my name is Alexander. Alexander the Great looked at the soldier in the eye and he said, son, either change your name or change your actions. When we bear the name Christian, we are to be Christ's ambassadors, his representatives. And so if the church isn't going to follow Jesus and what Jesus would want us to do, maybe we ought to change our name. Because we are living in a world where more and more people are simply walking away from Christianity because they know too many Christians. We have inadvertently grown this religion of atheism by our misrepresentation of Christ. Well, finally, there's the presumptuous use of God's name. The presumptuous use of God's name. When when people claim, God told me, so you better listen to me, this breaks the third commandment. You know, there are times when when people who are speaking in front of others, they want to give some credibility to what they're saying. And so they'll claim, God spoke to me about this, so you better listen to me. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I I believe that God speaks to us today, maybe not necessarily audibly, but he is not silent. Be certain of that. God is not silent. The thing is, he's not going to tell us something that goes against what he has already said. It's amazing how, how 
God will speak to these certain people, these anointed ones, right? And he speaks to them in private ways outside of scripture. And he doesn't speak to others about these same matters. How many selfish proposals have been attempted or done because of people using God's name like this? How much land has been bought and sold and buildings built because God told me, his anointed servant, so you'd better listen to me. How many private jets have been purchased so that the gospel can be spread around the world by God's anointed? And how many wars have been fought because God told me? These things can be big things or they can be small things. I was talking to a woman who has kind of bounced from church to church to church and they've all had problems and she's told me that, that they've had problems and she told me that, that God told her that she shouldn't be in church anymore. God told her that. And it was so presumptuous. It was so arrogant because she was basically saying that there was no church that was good enough for her and that God told her something that contradicts what he told us in scripture to not forsake the assembly. As if she was the exception. She, she would nitpick and she'd find fault in every church. And I wanted to tell her, it seems like there's a common thread with all of the problems in these churches that you've been to. You. <laughs> but I didn't tell her that. Because God told me not to. <laughs> but what these presumptuous claims to, to God's name really indicate is an arrogance, right? Again, I'm not saying that God can't talk to us. Or that he doesn't communicate with us today. He does. But if it's something other than his written word, or it doesn't agree with his word, I'm going to be skeptical. Don't use his name presumptuously. This is the equivalent of spiritual blackmail. In Jeremiah 14, 14, God said that the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. They're saying lies and then saying, this is what God said to say. I've not sent them, he said, or appointed them or spoken to them. They're prophesying to you false visions, divinations, idolatries, and the delusions of their own minds. They're just saying what they want to say and they're putting my name to it. Jesus spoke about this in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. This is a scary passage, by the way, isn't it? Because I would say we all claim, Lord, Lord. He says, not everyone who claims says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And they said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons? And in your name, perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So don't, don't expect to see these people who presume the name of God in heaven. Those who use God's name for their own purposes end up being disowned by the God whose name they use. Let me say that again. Those who use God's name for their own purposes end up being disowned by the God whose name they use. So these are some of the, the major ways that we misuse the name of God, how we, we rep, misrepresent him. And it is offensive to him. 
I mean, how would you like it if people were killing others or they were robbing others or they were abusing others or manipulating others in your name? How would you like it if your name was used to endorse a product or a cause that you didn't believe in? How would you like it if someone was saying something that you never said? They, they were saying you said something you never said. We've probably all had that happen. We don't like it, do we? How would you like it if people constantly used your name as an expletive or exclamation? I mean, try replacing God's name with your own name using some of the expressions people use today. I'll, I'll use mine. Oh my, Steve, that was awesome. It's a little weird. Steve Harley, I knew that they were going to do that. Right? I wish he'd get his Steve darned car out of the way. Right? I swear to Steve. That'd get annoying, wouldn't it? So there's more to this commandment than, than many of us thought about, isn't there? We may not think it's a big deal. We may think it's harmless to use his name in vain. But God thinks it's a big deal. Again, he says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. God says he's not going to hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. One commentator wrote about this. He said, He will consider that person guilty, a profaner of his name, and a transgressor of his law, and will condemn and punish him, if not in this world, yet in the world to come. In other words, God, God takes this seriously. And here's, here's the point. If you want an intimate relationship with God, you cannot misrepresent him in any way or at any time. And it's one of our greatest challenges because we're going we're gonna to mess this up. We are. We're going to misrepresent him with our words, with our actions. We are. And, and we need the help of the Holy Spirit to represent, represent God accurately. So it's not going to be easy. We're going to stumble and we, we sometimes are going to let our pride or our desires get in the way of representing God accurately. But I want to give us just three words to help us with this challenge today. And help us kind of walk through this with the help of the Holy Spirit. The first word is, is humility. Be humble. We don't claim to have all the answers. Don't claim to speak for God without first listening to him. Check your pride. See, see if... There are desires in you that are coming out rather than what Christ would want to come out. So our job is not to hit the unbelieving world on, over the head with a hammer. It is to invite them to get to know God through an intimate relationship with him. Second word is integrity. If we choose to wear the name Christ, then we need to live in such a way that honors that name. Again, we're going to mess up. But when we mess up, and you will, own up to it. Tell the truth. Don't hide from it. That's integrity. And third, the third word is love. And I'm, I'm especially talking about our love for God and for our Savior. If we truly know him and truly love him, we won't want to do anything that will bring, bring disgrace to his name. Not profanity, not propaganda, not anything presumptuous. And of course, we love others out of our love for God. And so if we love others, we want to speak the truth in love. But again, the name of God is to be revered. It is to be honored. The name of Jesus is powerful. The Apostle Paul, quoting from the prophet Joel, said in Acts 2.21, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter said in Acts chapter 4, talking about the name of Jesus, that salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind 
by which we must be saved. It is only in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are in awe at the God that you are. You are powerful and mighty. You are loving and compassionate. You are gracious and strong. And God, your name is to be revered. I pray that you would forgive us when we so casually use your name. We so casually insert it as an exclamation. Forgive us when we use your name to push our own agenda. When we use your name to promote a politician. When we use your name to back up our causes. God, I pray that we would search our hearts. That we would use your name only attached to things that you would want them attached to. That we would listen to you. That we would study your word before we claim that you said something that maybe you didn't. So God, I pray that you would help us to guard our tongues, but also guard our lives. When we claim to be Christians, we claim the name of Jesus. And rightfully so, because we need him. God, I pray that our life would back up that claim more and more each and every day. That we would not misrepresent you by carrying this name and then living in sin. So God, I pray that we would repent of our misuse of your name in all forms. And that we would lift up the name of Jesus. Because it is only by the power and name of Jesus that we are saved. We thank you that your name is powerful. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And so this morning we want to offer you an opportunity to respond to the name of Jesus, to the work of Jesus and what he's done for you. And so if you have never confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, repented of your sin and been baptized, we want to offer you an opportunity to respond today. I'm going to be up here to your right as we sing this last song and would love to talk with you about what that next step with Jesus would be. I'll wear my mask. I'll also be available after the service. Or maybe you just need some prayer. And so if you just need some prayer, I'd love to pray with you as well. Again, I'll be up here to your right as we sing this last song. We stand and sing with us.